0: Hello everyone. Welcome back to Ragnarsson Invest Podcast. Our today's guest is Gabriel Shear from US, from Accelerator Elemental. Gabriel, welcome to our studio. Great to have you here, even though we are in a completely different time zones. Uh, appreciate you, you joining us.
1: Thanks, Kasia. Great to be here.
0: Of course, Um, maybe before we jump to all the questions that we've prepared up front uh, about all those interesting topics uh, that we uh, prepared, uh, could you please tell us a little bit about yourself, how you ended up in the impact space? Sure,
1: I would say that I've been in the impact space at some level for my whole career. I got out of graduate school thinking I would go into public policy or a nonprofit of some sort and ended up partway through graduate school figuring out that business was where where I was more drawn. And so I went into car sharing of all things and worked in car sharing for a bit, then ultimately started my own company, actually a couple of them, uh, before joining a big design innovation company called Frog. And ultimately that led me Indirectly to leaving Frog and joining a tiny startup called at the time LimeBike, which became Lime. Uh, worked for Lime for a number of years, and then ultimately left and started working with some other companies, consulting and, and supporting other startups, and trying to bring some of the experience that I've had with you know Lime and other startups to those those companies. And that led me to Elemental, which is where I now lead the mobility and energy portfolio for the Climate Tech Accelerator Elemental out of Honolulu, Hawaii, though I am not there.
2: <laughs> was it for you just going with the flow or it was kind of always uh, part of your kind of personal uh, vision or mission?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. Impact was always part of the, the vision and mission. And I actually, when I graduated from grad school, the role that was offered to me was organizing and managing a government grant to try to bring car sharing services to low-income populations. So it was a really neat for me opportunity to use business, which I was interested in as a lever for change, but to do so in a way that served a population that really wasn't being well served. So it was a really exciting uh, chance to kind of meld those things you know, that, that drive for impact and business. And I would say I've stayed the course on that, but to your question, have always kind of followed my nose and trying to find Bigger opportunities to help more people and, and make the world better. Uh, but I, I definitely haven't had a plan. It's been more following, following my heart, following where I think I can make impact. And, and I read a lot. And so seeing where things are going and trying to be there with them.
2: We, do, we quite often have this conversation on our side as well. Like one, how one thing leads to another, and surprisingly, after ten or fifteen years of of being in some sort of a journey, surprisingly, you end up in the space that you that you were supposed to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so totally get your your point here. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's also how our careers uh, ended up uh, where we are now. But I also like how you casually mentioned, yeah, I've co-founded a couple of companies in the past, uh, but that also make me uh, believe that you're the right person uh, where you are right now in an accelerator, working with founders and selecting them also to, to join your accelerator. And that leads me to my first question, actually. Um, if, I'm a st- if I am a startup founder and I knock on your door, how do you decide if you want to let me in?
1: Oof, first, I ask how you found me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. Elemental invests in an annual cycle. We're a nonprofit climate tech accelerator, so we're a little different from a VC uh, in, in the way that we operate. Our application cycle is actually currently open and would love to see applications from companies all over the world right now and through the end of May. But essentially, to your question, we are looking for a number of things. We're looking for climate tech first and foremost. Are you solving climate ideally with a very scalable solution? Because as we all know, IPCC yesterday reconfirmed we really, really need to do this fast and big. So that's first and foremost what we're looking for is how can we really impact things climate wise. Second and very, very much right up there with climate is are we helping people who need that help and who don't always get it? And so I would say that that manifests for us in two ways. One, we're particularly interested in traditionally excluded or underserved founders. Um, That is founders who often don't have as much access to resources, whether it's funding or other resources to get their startups going. So we're really excited to find funders, or founders rather, where we can support them. um, And they are especially founders who don't necessarily get support from normal channels. We're also very interested in solutions that serve those who are underserved. Uh, We think a lot about frontline communities, which are communities who are often those hit first and worst by climate change. So people who might be living next to, for example, an energy generation station who are breathing the toxic fumes that come out of it. um, Does your solution solve for that? Does it help those people? Because again, a lot of those folks are people without a voice who are in a lot of cases left behind. So. You know, we're, we're not going to necessarily get all three of those things or those areas of focus on every startup or every founder, but we're definitely excited when we can find founders of that sort. At the, again, at the end of the day, it's climate tech. We've got to move fast. It's got to be scalable. And it's got to be something where we believe this can really grow quickly and, and be a solution that brings a lot of benefit to the world.
2: So maybe going a bit deeper uh, when it comes to your criteria, let's say there is 100 founders supplying, all of them are in the climate tech space, or all of them are some, somehow underserved. Now what's 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 important at this level? Do you focus more on founders? Do you sp- focus more on a specific solution and a sp- specific niche? How does it work?
1: Great question. With regard to the solutions, we have, I would say five or arguably six verticals across which we invest. I lead the mobility and energy portfolio, which obviously is two things. Uh, so that's two of those. We also invest in mo- in water in circular economy or industrial, in food and agriculture and nature-based solutions. So we're really looking quite broadly. I mean, that kind of captures all the things at some level, but really looking broadly at technologies and solutions that solve for a lot of different things in climate. And I mean, as we all know, climate is not one thing. You can't just solve renewables and, and call it done. There's impacts all over the place, water, food and egg. Obviously, as we're looking at carbon capture, I think nature-based solutions have a lot to play. So we we look across a lot of those different things, you know, to your to your deeper question of how do we select and so forth. Every year we set investment theses for each of those categories. And those theses really are what are we focusing in on this year? And I'd say for me this year looking at mobility and energy, I took a step back and was looking a lot at the portfolio companies we already have. In the case of Elemental, we've been investing since 2009, so we have about 150 or have had about 150 investments across that time. We look for a lot of things when we're looking at, at new companies, but one of them is how did they complement that existing group? So, for example, I'm looking at Maritime this year a lot, and I've got two companies already in portfolio who are doing something related to Maritime. One of them, Forum Mobility, is working to electrify drayage, which are the trucks that move things around ports. So they're looking at how do we electrify that, which is really challenging, but it's at the port on land. Another company in the portfolio is called Mythos, and Mythos does autonomous boats. What they have been looking at at first is uh, it's called hydrography; it's the mapping of underwater surfaces. But they're also looking at offshore wind and how how are we going to actually serve offshore wind with you know boats and so forth? We don't have necessarily the number of operators that we need. So looking at how do we complement those? Do we add something in long haul shipping? Do we add something at near ports? Do we add something on inland waterways? So again, stepping back as we look at the portfolio, how do we complement what we already have? And then also, are there new gaps that have emerged through research? You know, that's globally, right? If IPCC says we really need some new technology to solve some new problem, you know, is there a new technology emerging? Are there new solutions? Nature-based obviously is seeing a lot of innovation, for example. So look a lot at all the things happening, try to figure out how do we, how do we, how do we complement and bring something special to bear? And then one last thought on that is, we focus particularly on first-of-a-kind projects. So a lot of our funding, and you'll see in our funding this year, is dedicated towards supporting projects that try something new, and that inherently by doing that are risky. And so with Elemental this year are two tracks, which I'm happy to share you the the track um, sort of information, but there's a strategy track, which is a $350,000 US check. The other one's a million-dollar check, and that's for projects. And the idea of the project track is Give us something new unusual and untested first of its kind and let's de-risk it together we look for a cost share partner but then the idea is you as an entrepreneur have a commercial solution already it works but you see an opportunity a version two of that product that's maybe got to be totally redesigned and you need to build a team to redesign it or maybe it's a geographic change. You're based in Europe and you're launching in the United States, and we can help you do that. Or maybe it's something where you're switching who you're selling to. You used to sell B2B, and now you're looking at B2C or, or B2G or some other B2 something. <laughs> uh, but essentially, how can we help you de-risk something that is inherently risky, a first of its kind thing that again will bring a new idea into the world and really help uh, change things at scale.
0: Mm-hmm. I hear that uh, from your perspective that the feeling that I have is you're focusing strongly on the business and the product and the solution uh, as a main driver of of the selection process. From our perspective, when we are thinking about shall we invest and put our efforts in in a startup, we're looking from the perspective of a founder. So we had the cases that... Uh, I mean, we look
2: from our perspective, uh, but we kind of evaluate a bit more the founders themselves.
0: Exactly. So th- that's what I—that's what I meant. So if, if we have a cases of investing in a founder with one initial idea, and then it developed into something completely different uh, or generally different. But from your perspective, is there a stage where you? evaluate founders as well because we think it this way okay there's a founder he's standing behind the the product and the product will fail if the founder is not the right person with the right set of skills how does it work from your perspective uh, do you take it into account or you go in more into the direction okay we will build whatever set of skills the founder needs to to deliver this product
1: Yeah, it's both. I mean, at the end of the day, when you're investing in a company, you're investing in people. And that, that is going to be true if you're a VC or if you're like us, a nonprofit accelerator. But the, the support we give is designed to, to build tools for those founders and help them. And no person has all the things that they need, right? Like everybody needs more skills, no matter how good you are or whatever you do. So with strategy track, which again is the smaller check size, 350,000 that is built around a series of modules. It's about a nine month course, and we run them through virtually, I should say, virtually run them through a series of modules with coaches that covers a number of different things. It covers customer discovery, sales, marketing and messaging, people ops, diversity and inclusion, policy, uh, fundraising. I think I might have gotten all of them. I may have missed (laughs) one, but I think that's all of them. But at any rate, mm-hmm. some of those everyone does, some of those it's optional, but either way, we give them a bunch of modules to help them with that growth. Because to your point, like they, they have amazing skills at something. That's how they've built what they've built. And there's always more to learn and more to grow. And so we try to provide the support they, they need to get them ready for significant growth. That track, the strategy track, again, is about nine months. And by the end of it, in theory, they've gained a whole bunch of new skills and they're ready for significant scaling and success. The project track again that's the million dollar check this year the project track we have coaches available to support and we offer a considerable amount of uh, support and coaching in particular we offer a program that we have developed. Uh, this is called The Journey, and it's specifically focused on equity and thinking more broadly about how you engage in the world. And so this is something that everybody gets to participate in on the project track, but we don't require as many modules or as much sort of formulaic or programmatic uh, support for the policy track or the project track rather, in part because those companies tend to be a bit later stage. But in either case, we have coaches available and we have a number of people available to help and and these coaches are amazing. I mean you you look at the person who's leading up, well we have a couple of them on the fundraising side, and they've they've led rounds, they've done so much work on, on fundraising. So they, they have deep experience that they can refer back to, not just sort of academic experience, but I've done this, I know how this works. Let me talk you through what I've experienced. And candidly, I, I'm I'm always happy to share my experience. And a lot of us have been through things like this where we can share experience as well. So I don't know. I, I think there's always room to grow, there's always more room to to learn. And our entrepreneurs by and large, come with that mindset. And I think that gets back to your question about the entrepreneurs, you know, a lot of it's betting on the people, knowing that the, the road of an entrepreneur is both lonely and bumpy, always, that's just the way it is. And we want to be here with them, we want to support them, we want to give them whatever knowledge and expertise we can and and hope that they'll ask when they need it.
0: Uh, I'm curious about this uh, the problem of a mindset you've mentioned yourself. Mm this is something that we hear from uh, from other accelerators that we are involved um, in some sort or other founders that we're talking that quite often the problem they they come across is that there is mis- there is a misalignment between the mindset of a founder and what the accelerator can offer so you said yourself to to be able to fully um like get the most out of what you have to offer and your coaches have to offer you need to have a certain uh, mindset how do you make sure that you get only people who 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 really get understand the value yeah. you can provide.
1: Well, of course there's no making sure, but we do our best to qualify <laughs> along the way. What's your so, secret? Yeah, yeah. The uh the application process looks something like this. A company applies with a online application. If it feels like this could be of interest, it aligns with our thesis for this year, it feels like a good fit, then we start a process of interviews reference checks and so forth. To really try to find that fit and i should say even before that right now for example we opened applications last week we'll be hosting a series of webinars that are available to anybody in the world who wants to listen to them that talks about our investment approach and our thesis and what entrepreneurs get out of it and we'll have some of the founders from our other companies speaking on those talking about this is my experience with elemental this is what i learned this is where i was before and where i was after sort of that kind of thing of trying to share their experience and hopefully people will self-select and say oh wow that sounds just like me or what I want to do or, or maybe not. Maybe that doesn't sound like a good fit. Either way is great, but hopefully you'll, there's some degree of self-selection. Uh, we're also pretty transparent about our values and what we stand for and what we're trying to build. And so my hope is that if you're thinking about applying, you'll take a read through. You know, we've got our five-year mission statement or our five-year, um, plan on our website. We've got our mission on our website. You can learn a lot about us and figure out, does this actually align with what I'm doing? Is it the right for me in this stage? Does this fit with my values? All that stuff by all means self-select. Once you're in the process, however, we do, as I said, interviews. So there are a number of interviews with our team and the hope again has does this seem like a good fit? And it's a two way street, right? Like we are asking for their time, we are, which is the most valuable thing an entrepreneur has. We're asking for them to engage with us and invest in this community with us, because that is how we see it as a community that builds over time. And so the hope is that we find people who really fit with the values, with what we're trying to do, with what we call the ohana, which is a Hawaiian word for, for family. Uh, we, we try to really build that. And we bring our CEOs together every year in Hawaii, to try to continue building that in person. And then there's also a lot of resource sharing and online connectivity between the folks that are in the portfolio. But again, the goal is bring people in who fit that and who understand what that is and, and wanna be a part of that. It's not for everyone. You know, we, we operate differently than some. Certainly we operate differently from a VC who might say, here's the money and call us if you need us. We are very much more hands-on and engaged and providing a lot of services, but also a lot of, you know, expected engagement if if folks want it, if, if CEOs want it.
2: Yeah, i believe it's an interesting problem to have uh technically you you get applicants and they should kind of review your offer and see and kind of decide for themselves if there is a fit but for, from our experience maybe not of you know speaking with founders but it like even like when we recruit people um that, that we need inside of the team quite often you know the, the bait that you have the this the salary the the conditions it's kind of like a good enough offer and only once they kind of enter and they, they, they have the basics covered. They kind of question, okay, so <laughs> what's next? <laughs> what's the next step for me? What kind of value I should get out of just getting a salary? So like in your case, you have a f- very nice ticket size, like 350 and the and the first kind of option is, is a very nice uh, way to start a conversation, I can imagine. But then, um, yeah, the question is if the curriculum is relevant to, to, to the people that you're trying to do. To engage, so um, yeah, like from my personal experience with with uh, different uh, accelerators, there was sometimes this mismatch. Like people didn't know why they were there, uh, and funnily enough, also in cases where the the accelerator didn't offer any money, <laughs> and the, the mentoring was just a pure thing.
1: Yeah. I... I- I hear you. I think there is some of that. I mean, the ticket does attract, especially right now with a volatile and challenging fundraising market. SVB obviously has made that even more so. But um, I, d- I don't think it can be about just that if you're the founder. Either that or you've got to be really good at hiding your intentions. Because yep. we do we do interview a number of times and we, we sort of have conversations around like, why? Why this? Yep. Uh, we had a company last year that, you know candidly, I was really excited about what they were doing technologically. And was looking at sort of the why uh, why had they applied and, and we try to get at this in the interview. And honestly, I think they're a company that will do very well. If I was betting just as a VC, I think I would probably have said, you know, let's take a take a leap on this one. What it came down to in the end was we looked at what they were proposing to do with us and what the work might be and it just didn't seem like we would actually be a big value add for them Mm -hmm. it didn't seem like they needed us much they were doing fine on fundraising we would be another check and that would be good but it just didn't seem like there was enough value fit and enough need there and so ultimately we didn't select them and i don't regret it at all i think it was the right choice it made space for another entrepreneur where we could add more value and i think for us a lot of it is trying to figure that that point out where how can we add the most value we can you know, if if we're just a check, you're missing a lot of what we bring. And, you know, hopefully we've filtered well in the interview process to get to the point where you understand that and so do we, so that we can come together and agree like, this is a great match. We're excited to work together. There's a lot of opportunity to make things better. And again, growth mindset, right? We we all have things to learn and grow from. And so hopefully we we get entrepreneurs who are in that space. And I think honestly, if you look at the track record, uh, obviously I can't claim this. This is 14 year old organization uh, but we've had around 150 total uh, investments and I think around 25 exits. So it's, people have done well over the years of figuring out how do we map this well and how do we you know, connect dots in a way that's meaningful for both sides. It's a
2: really cool example. And Was it a tough decision for you or you're just used to those kind of dilemmas and you have a process in place that helps you to make a good decision every time you, you see someone that kind of would add value to the portfolio, but not necessarily got, got the value from your offer.
1: Yeah, both, I think, to answer your question. I mean, on the one hand, yes, it's hard. In particular, in that case, like I really liked the entrepreneurs that we were talking to, they seemed very impressive. I do think they'll do well. And we had processes in place where we were able to say, but does this does this fit? Is this the right thing for us? Again, our, our mandate is climate tech, traditionally excluded founders, ideally serving frontline communities. They kind of touched on a lot of those buckets in this case, but, also couldn't figure out just exactly why, you know, why they needed us, how we could really be that additive to them. And I, I'm i super excited. They seem to be doing well from watching from a distance. Uh, but, you know, I just I think we didn't have enough to give them to make it truly a good fit. And And especially there are so many entrepreneurs doing so many amazing things. We have so many opportunities to help people. So if there's one where it's not totally the right fit, I'd rather move on, even if it's a hard choice, because there are plenty more amazing people that we can help. And I'm just excited to do that.
0: I was wondering about uh, what would be the one uh, good... Um, suggestion to founders who are considering joining any type of accelerator and I think that might be a good advice like put exactly this filter into your proce- uh, pro- decision process would that be a good fit? Would I get the most out of this uh, yeah. cooperation or not?
1: Totally, I mean if you're a founder time is your single most valuable asset right? If you're doing doing something you're not doing all the other things that you should be doing which is fundraising, building the product, building the team you you name it and so I think the, the cost-benefit analysis really has to come down to opportunity cost. Is it the right fit where I get enough value and give value? And I think that's something that we see a lot in our portfolio is is companies who want to give to each other as well. Once they're in it, there's a lot of how can I help you? Like I, I've been there. We have um, I mentioned we have our offsite in Hawaii every year, and last last fall when we had it, we had members of the leadership team of public companies sitting and chatting with companies who are still very early stage startups. And it was so amazing because the advice you can see being exchanged there, you know, we've done this, we went from where you are to now being a public company. And yet we have lessons to learn. So, and so even though they were a publicly traded company, they had gone through that process. There wasn't a, a hubris, you know, there was still humility to say, I've got stuff to learn too. Like, what have you been seeing as a 12 person startup or whatever? Uh, but there's a lot of giving back. And I think to get back to your question, Kasha, it's as you're thinking about these things, is this something where I will get value and then secondarily and can give value back to the community? Certainly with Elemental, that's what we're looking for. And it may be that's not the case in other accelerators you look at. I would say to your question around selecting, you know, read through the materials on the website. It's a pretty basic thing, but it does tell you a lot about what what at least we are looking for and who we are and what our background is and why we're doing what we're doing. So I'd strongly encourage companies who are interested in Elemental or other accelerators to read through their website, read through what they say about themselves, what are they looking for, what are they trying to accomplish, and if it resonates, apply, and if it doesn't, maybe don't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sounds simple.
2: What's also pretty interesting about the, the value proposition is the role of uh, geography uh, in mm-hmm. the decision-making process. I'm um, not sure how it was in, in your case, but I, I have this feeling that after the pandemic, every accelerator is a remote one. So. And the question here is, you know, to what extent it matters, how, why would it, mm. why should I pick an accelerator based in the U.S. apart from some local one to, to where I sit?
1: Yeah, happy to touch on that. We are and have been remote in terms of the services we provide our portfolio. That said, we are very much based in Hawaii, uh, specifically in the Honolulu area. We have a secondary office in the Bay Area, in Palo Alto and, and San Francisco. We, I think, we do juggle, and I think this is a challenge for any organization now, we, we do juggle that sort of, on the one hand, very place-based culture, and that's an organizational question of how do you build a culture, how do you maintain that culture, which often ties to place. And we started in Honolulu, we started in Hawaii, and in the early years, we were really focused specifically on Hawaii-based projects, Hawaii-based companies. It gets hard to do that. There aren't necessarily enough companies and we'd love to see more and we'd love to keep doing projects in Hawaii and we now do projects elsewhere as well. And so I think that the challenge you have there as an organization is how do you maintain a culture? So we focus very strongly on trying to help our companies as well as, as well as us as employees understand what is the culture of this place? And so when we go to Hawaii, it's not just, let's go sit on the beach or sit in a conference room, it's let's go try to understand more deeply the culture that we are, we are a part of here, or connected to at least for a brief period of time. But to your question, it is, it is global. We have companies in Europe. We have companies in Africa, in India, in APAC. They're all over the place. And so on the one hand, we try to share Hawaii and the culture that we come from with them. On the other hand, we also try to understand and bring in some of their culture. And so I think the why on why you would, in, you know, invest the time and the resources to apply for an accelerator that is Hawaii based. If you're, for example, in Germany, as you are, uh, would be, well, do we bring some value to you that you maybe don't see as much in, the place that you are, whether that's Germany or elsewhere. Uh, Some companies, as I mentioned on the project track in particular, look to us for funding to launch internationally. And so for example, we're working with companies right now who have launched out of Europe into the US or into other places. We've Got a company out of Australia that we've helped launch in the United States, a company out of the United States that we helped launch in Singapore. So we've got companies kind of using us as a launch pad for a lot of things there again and think about network and what can we bring how how can we bring value to you as well as the values that we bring so if if those align i think there could be potential there when you talk about why this versus any other i think that's you know again opportunity cost do you have time to do multiple accelerators do you want to be place-based you know if you're a german company who wants to stay in germany work in germany and have your team in germany i don't know that we do bring a lot of value to you relative to say you know a german accelerator but I think that's a question of time and opportunity, and what are your what are your goals? What are you trying to do? Are you trying to grow big, grow fast go global? are you trying to stay local? None of those are the wrong thing to do it's more a question of what do you want to do what's right for you So the main thing that you mentioned is uh
2: that obviously if you want to enter a market like like uh, the u s uh, getting a support from a partner that sits there it's it's like a good choice to make in general, but it's not necessarily um relevant if, if you want to stay in your in your local market or at least for a foreseeable future um, i i assume that you didn't have many cases where there was there was kind of pure value from the transfer of knowledge of how of, of seeing how companies are just doing it as companies located in, in in different parts of the world uh i i assume it's a bit less relevant It's it's more about entering specific markets and getting help with that
1: i think if I understand your question right, it's the, the value people can derive from seeing what other companies globally are doing. Is that accurate?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of uh, the mix of all of them.
1: <laughs> I mean, I think the short answer is yes. One of the things that's neat in my former position at Lyme, I was working on a global role and it was really interesting because I was working with cities all over the world and they were all dealing with our bikes, our scooters, the challenges and, and benefits that those bring. And one thing that was really interesting and and fun for me was to see that, frankly, most of the concerns were roughly the same. And also, sometimes you'd see innovation happening that you hadn't identified elsewhere. So we had a city, for example, that needed that. Well, we had identified that that often the first accident occurred when someone was riding a scooter on on the first trip. So your first trip was likely to be one that was a little more dangerous because you haven't done this before. And so in Rio, we identified, oh, we could actually do a slowdown on that first trip. So we developed the technology for rio to try it out it worked and then we could roll it out globally and so you start to see those opportunities of like oh there's a problem that they've identified there and maybe a solution or an idea that's a solution that they've also identified there how do you take that and scale it and i think that is the amazing part of the age we live in right is that ideas good and bad can scale quickly go global etc i mean 30 years ago i don't know is that true yeah 30 years ago if i had a great idea somewhere you wouldn't necessarily know about it for years and now you can know about it five minutes later. And so, I mean, what an amazing thing, right? You can, you can take those lessons learned and you can quickly leapfrog to better ways of doing things. And I think as a global accelerator, we have that opportunity to be the conduit for that knowledge and to be able to say, whoa, there, there's this thing they did in Australia. That I think would work really well in the Netherlands, let's try it and share that across our companies and our portfolio. And so a lot of that comes back to information sharing, communication, how do they all talk to each other, and making sure that we do have the trust to say, I ran into this challenge, here's the solve, you guys could try this out too. And it's fun to watch that chatter happen, you know, to see those lessons be shared. So
2: it's not only about uh, an accelerator as an organization itself, but also who joins it and what are the other uh, startups in the portfolio and uh, the ones that already have gone through the through the acceleration process and also the ones that are applying as of now.
1: Yep. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I think for me at least, the, the people that seem to work well often are those who have both the pride and confidence in what they're doing, but the humility to know they don't have all the answers and the willingness to share. Those Those things seem to go together well, especially in the sort of not just an accelerator, but the community that we've built and are trying to continue to build is, you know, people who, who know they're good at stuff and they can do it. And they know when to step back and let others lead, uh, and know when to acknowledge that they are not the holder of all answers. Got it. Got it.
2: Gabriel, I I really like what you said about, um, tough decisions about picking your, um, your winners and maybe deciding on to not go with the team that you like because of the lack of value apart from, from cash that you provide. I think that was kind of like, this is a good, um, maybe not, I mean, to some sort of like a lesson learned, uh, for, for other fund managers and managers of accelerators. And on the other side, uh, on the, from the perspective of a founder to, to really ask the question of what do I want to get out of it, to be very clear about it. I think it's, just easy to get distracted with all sorts of offers uh with with just not going deep enough to us to understand why why bother for so many months and so many <laughs> curriculums that that are they need to pass so many thanks uh, for sharing your insights and thank you so much for being with us today
1: yeah it's my pleasure thanks for having me and i'll just add one last little point on that the the privilege that we have to to say no to a team that looks great and a company that looks great is is truly a privilege and it ties to the fact that we're a nonprofit climate tech accelerator we've got mission first and we can take that step back and say does this does this work is this the right way to go um we've got to we've got to fulfill our mission and by the way if the company is successful that is a part of it but uh we've got to fulfill the mission so yeah yeah. thanks so much for having me i really appreciate it thank Thank you so much for being with us
0: thank you and all the best
2: bye-bye
1: bye-bye
0: Thank you guys for listening to this episode. If you want to stay up to date with impact startup scene and hear directly from startup founders and investors, sign up for Ragnarsson Invest newsletter at ragnarsson.com/ri or click the link in the description.